Growing up, looking at the window, what would life be like? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Season 5 of the Collective Table Podcast, Songs of Summer. Today, we're talking to Royce Lovett. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Just to get us started today, I would love for you to just share a little a little bit about yourself. I'm from Tallahassee, Florida, small college town, and I've just moved to Seattle, Washington. I have a family, two boys, beautiful, supportive wife. I've been doing full-time music maybe about... Ooh, maybe a little over 13, 13 years now. I've done a lot of cool touring. I was signed to Motown, Gospel, CCMG for a little while. Made some really cool albums. Uh, one of my favorite is called Love and Other Dreams. Since then, I've made some independent records. Really excited about this new record we have out called Better. I've had some really cool like dream come true moments, like giving some TED Talks. And yeah, life is life is good if you if you let it be good. That's my little tidbit, I guess, about myself. I don't know. <laughs> so how did you get into music, Royce? Did you come from like a musical family? Was it something you kind of found on your own? Like, how did you discover that talent and gift? I think there was a bit of an aspect of like coming from a musical family, but not necessarily a musical family as you would imagine. Uh, my mom, she sang in church. And because she also wore like all the hats at church. Like she, she was the one that would come pray for you when you're sick. She was the one that would come make soup for you when you're sick. She was the one that would clean up after church. She was the one that planned the Easter events. Like she was like doing all of the things. I was like around music all the time in the car, her singing, some of my uncles sang too. A lot of music, I think around the house, like um, at get, get togethers and and family occasions. And so I think that's how I kind of like fell in love with music because it was just a way to communicate. You were also in The Voice, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Oh man, that was right before the pandemic. I think the year post and and the year, like everything is like stained in memory. Like it just feels like everything's still so close. I got a DM from somebody that was like, yo, we want you on The Voice. And that was my second time getting that DM on an Instagram. And I just thought it was a scam. I was like, nobody does this. <laughs> that's that's not a thing people do. Very professional to get a DM on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> While I got that DM, I was actually giving my first TED Talk at, at Berkeley. And that was a crazy cool experience. And then my wife, she saw the message come through again via email. And she was like, Royce, you got a DM from some folks from The Voice. Like, you should go check it out. And I was like, nah, it's a scam. And plus, I'm not a, I'm not a singer. I like to sing, but I'm not a singer. She was like, boy, please. Like, if this is, like, if they reached out, like, you should just see what's up. Just, like, imagine, like, just the experience or just getting on one episode. Or So anyway, I responded back. It was real. And it was actually, like kind of affirming a little bit because they looked for me. I was able to skip like a certain number of auditions. Got to LA, went through some like auditions and like some training and some like talking about like what the show is about, what goes down, signing contracts, lawyers, all those things. And it definitely was an eye-open experience to like a whole nother world, like TV and a little bit of music. Like the show is about music, but it's it's very much so about the story and like what's happening. So that was a really cool experience. You hear beautiful, big voices, like amazing ranges and all these runs and just like 
different stories and different reasons why they're there. And you were just like, oh man, this is like, this is so cool. It's competitive and I'm making friends. A lot of, a lot of really cool stuff. And I had this moment where it was my day to go in front of the chairs and I 100% got in my head and forgot my song and everything. <laughs> And I'm like, Royce, what is happening? Like, you've never forgot a song before. Like, you've played this song so many times. And then I was like, I, like, I got to get out of my head. And I just want to remember this moment. Whether I get a chair, whether like or not, I just want to remember the moment. I was like, well, dang, Royce, how do you remember a moment? <laughs> I was like, all right. So I touched the wall to see how cold it was. And then I touched the floor to see how cold it was. I counted five rows of lights in front of me. And then I counted five rows of chairs through this crack in the door that I could see in the hallway. And it was crazy cool like that, doing those four things just like brought back a lot of perspective. One, yeah, it brought back the, it brought back the song. But then I was like, oh my goodness, my wife looks so beautiful. And I didn't even recognize the dress she had on or like, or how her hair looked. And my boys had fresh haircuts. I wasn't in the moment with them in the green room, which was so much fun meeting people and talking and and my mom first time in LA like there was just a lot of moment I felt like I missed I just became grateful about it and then I was like all right cool we're gonna go out here and have some fun and so that's what I did and it was it was fun I got a chair two chairs got on team Gwen and just continue to really learn a lot all all until the time I, I left Royce what was the song uh 911 by Wycliffe okay I bet you never forget that song ever again it is a beautiful song. I wish I wrote it. It's a beautiful song. I want to go back just a little bit. When you were talking about your mom, I just had this beautiful image of like the ideal person you want in church, the person that's like so in love that just gives themselves to it. And like, what a beautiful model of church and like faith that you had in your mom. But I want to like hear about your faith journey a little bit. What was your faith journey like as you grew up? I think that my faith journey mostly consisted around the existence of God because, and that's from a personal, that's from a personal look. I think if somebody was like watching me, they might've thought like, you knew why you were at the church you were at, you know, why you believe the things you believed, you like, you knew all these things. But as a kid, you're, you're just kind of like growing up and learning and, and being a sponge and building walls and doing all these things at the same time that you're not really sure, like you're, you're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to be open. You're, you like this, you don't like this, this hurts, this feels good. I think my faith journey mostly consisted of just, if there's a God, I want to be a part of this. To be more direct, I think the background that I come from is a semi-multi-ethnic church, like a not a multicultural church, um, definitely a white culture church, who kind of, you know, definitely believes in like the fivefold ministries and definitely was on the more conservative side of things. But I do remember like some things that didn't really sit very well, just that idea of like, hey, if the church is small, that means some kind of way we're not trusting God. And if you pray for healing and you're not healed, then some kind of way faith is inactive in your life. I think there was definitely some of those things. I think my faith journey really started after I got signed to Motown and was on tour and seen more of America. Before I got signed, I played a lot of music outside of the country. France, Bratislava, London, Vienna, places there. 
But once I got signed, I, I started doing a lot of touring in America. Right along those times, there was the murders of Trayvon Martin and Alton Sterling. Just a lot of things happening that really started to rock me and rock my view of humanity. I mean, a, a lot of the, the, the places were, were big and I, and I was like one or maybe four of the only people of color in the building. But this one service I was at, we had an off day and I went to a church service, maybe about 3,000 people in the room. And the pastor said, every tribe and every nation. And as he said, every tribe and every nation, it just hit me in this way of like, but there's not every tribe, every nation in here. And I just kept wondering like, man, like how separated is the church? That was around like 2006. 16, when I really started to kind of build my own faith journey of like asking those questions. What do I believe? Why do I believe it? Researching. And when I say researching, I don't mean like Googling. I mean like actually like opening my eyes to like reading books, reading different points of views, talking to people, getting stories, writing out my story, like wondering what my story is. A big part of that faith journey was forgiving my nephew for going to prison and reaching out to him and writing him and wrestling with things with him. And so I, I would say I'm still on a faith journey, but but growing up, there definitely is some like great qualities of things like my mom. When I think about like my parents, like some things they taught me, like you don't have to touch the stove to know that it's hot. You can watch and see what's going on around the room. And if someone else touched it, that doesn't mean you need to touch it. <laughs> You know, one of the things you were talking about, about the church being so separate, Martin Luther King Jr. said Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. And I think not just race, but like class and political divides and theologies. And I wonder about that sometimes. Yeah. How do we, how we're all part of the body of God or the body of Christ. And yet we're so fragmented and we believe so differently. And I just wonder about that sometimes. So when you said that, I was like, yeah, I think that's a real problem in the church. You know, I don't know how to get around that one. I think that's why I love music so much is because music can bring so many people together and it has a power to, to do a lot of things, but I think music can can bring so many people together just from the melodies, just from the way it moves you. I'm so proud of a friend of mine named Brittany Spencer, a Black woman who is singing country music, and you don't see that. A lot of things happen in her story that probably made her believe that that was never going to happen. Wow, like a few, just a few weeks ago, she's on the cover of magazines. I'm walking down the aisle in, in Target, and I'm like, this is beautiful. Like, to see this Black woman holding a guitar, smiling, look just like a queen, singing country music, I think speaks volumes. Yeah, I think that's something that we all need to be wondering about. Why are we divided and how do we get here? I think finding balance and hearing our stories and sharing our stories is something that we don't do enough. And you talk about being on a faith journey. And I I think that's so beautiful because I feel like it's it's so sad when we think about faith being this thing of certainty. You said you were still on a faith journey after you kind of woke up in 2016 and then things changed for you and, and were debunked for you, which I'm sure was really, really tough. Mm-hmm. I think that that's when the real faith journey begins. Yeah. I got another example, I think. My pastor back home in Florida, Mario Solari, he gives his example of like being free and then also walking in freedom. I think you hear those words often. But when he painted this picture for me, it just felt so like real. He was like, imagine someone unlocking 
this jail cell that you feel like you've been locked in. And then you're just like, thank you, appreciate it. And then you just, you keep the door open and you just lay back in the cell and you just kind of like, you stay there. I don't think there's much faith in that. And the funny thing is I'm very imaginative. So when I imagined this, did you guys see, you guys saw Lion King? You've, you've had to see Lion King. Yeah, okay. <laughs> We literally watched it last night. I kid you not. My kids are like obsessed with it. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Timeless. Yes. So when I imagine this scene, I imagine the door opening and you see a Kuna Matata. Like you see the waterfall and the mountains and the greenery. And, and then you just like make yourself a drink. And you're like, oh, this is nice. And you just kind of sit back in the cell and you just kind of watch. I don't think there's faith in that. Like I honestly think that's not living, living more abundant. I don't think like stepping out and being able to give yourself freedom to make mistakes, give yourself freedom to learn from those mistakes and to be corrected and to be invited into brave spaces and to be brave yourself. I don't think there's a lot of faith there. And maybe it's because the English language is more young. We don't have the right word to put in that blank. But I think it's interesting. You told us a little bit about, you know, what's what's going on right now and what you're working on now. Tell us about this song better. Better, I'm super excited about because it just feels good. It feel it feels like me. I love the the vibe of the instrumental. It just has this old school soul hip hop dance vibe. And then I love the lyrics. Nobody quite like you that have been through the things that you've been through. Yeah, you shall let the sun know you best. Good morning, wake up, girl. You know you. I think a big part of my life when I look back has been influenced and dedicated to the women in my life. I'm not I'm not taking away any credit from my father and my brother and my uncles. But when I look back at my life, it's like, man, the women in my life are tremendous, just amazing in so many different ways. I wanted to make a song that encouraged brothers to say, you can do it better. To to look at their sister and say, I'm a, I want you to live in the the passion and the gift and the leadership and that that you can live in and I want to support it because you can do it better. Whatever they did, girl, you can do it better. Put your mind to it, babe. You can do it better. Take and whatever I have done to make you feel like you get validated from Instagram likes or you get validated from this, that, or this, that, and a third. Don't worry. I'm sorry about those things. Whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can do it better. Also really coming, coming off that quote from Malcolm X is like the most forgotten person in America is the black woman. So the second verse is very much so dedicated. The whole song is dedicated to, to, to women, my sisters. And the second verse is very much so dedicated to the black woman experience. I know they tripping up your melon. Baby, see your value, you love your skin. Don't believe they lies that ain't true. Won't you give your thighs? Wanna look like you? I just want like your hair and your skin complexions and your your body and your voice and all those things, no matter 
which side of curly and straight and darker complexion or lighter complexion. Like, I just want you to know that you're valued and you're protected. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this record is because it's saying something that I've been trying to say for a long time. And I think I, I think we said it well. Like when you write a song and you feel like you said something well, you're kind of excited about it. <laughs> you really do feel it when you're listening to it. First of all, I'm not a dancer by any stretch, but I am definitely chair dancing to that song. Okay. <laughs> But you also feel this upliftingness, like it really is this empowerment song. And you know, I'm I'm a white woman, I don't know what the black woman experience is. But really, to be able to lift up their voice and to to tell them that I mean, your your song is a good example for all of us in America to kind of like pay attention and listen. And this is how we support black women. This is how we love them. It's like an almost like an anthem. Thanks. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this record. I I really am. I think another reason why I'm pretty excited is because the minute I wrote it, there, there's a lyric in there in the chorus. It, it says, you, you will be a pearl. Weather the storm, you'll be a pearl. When the pressure gets to you, girl, weather the storm, you'll be a pearl. I added that word in there because one of my late aunts who passed away in 2020, her name was Pearl. I, I wrote the record and, and added her dedication in there. After we were done with the record, just after we were done with the demo, I sent it to her son. I didn't tell him, you know, that that I put it in there or whatever. I just like, hey, bro, let me know what you think about this this new song. And he was with a few other of my guy cousins. I think that was the most excited I've seen them get about a record that I made. And so I was super encouraged. Like when they called me back and they were like, yo, this is the one. Like this is this is the one. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm, I'm really excited about this, this record. And, and I hope it touches people and it reaches folks and um, getting the right hands to be used. Like, I don't know, film and TV and, and, in, and in churches and festivals. And because I would love for this to be a, a true anthem to, to, to what's going on. Yeah. What has the feedback been since you've released? I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but what have you heard from the song? Oh, so one, as a, as a perfectionist, sometimes you can kind of be like, oh, it's not exactly where I, I, I thought it would be or where I wanted to be as far as like playlist goes and things like that. But the feedback has been pretty incredible. Like when you asked me that question, the first thing I thought about was I got a text message. I'm sorry, not a text, a DM. The day that came, the song came out from a fan and it was a, it was a long message. He said, Royce, I've listened to the song eight times now. He said, I'm even tearing up because I feel like this is some of the best stuff you've done. This is the one to open doors for you. To hear that from somebody who's like not invested, like financially or not a part of your team or not a part of like, to hear that from a listener, from a fan, like it was just like, wow. And so there's been some really cool feedback from uh, uh, other sisters that have hit me up on DM or or shared it on social media just kind of saying like this i feel so empowered listening to this like thanks and so it's been it's been a cool cool uh, array of feedback that's so wonderful it sounds like that song really resonated with this fan and it seems like you really know your fans and your your fans really know and love you thanks i appreciate that so what what's next for you as you know i know this song just came out but what are your plans for the future i am kind of open i'm kind of open i want to release more music i want to tour get 
back on the road. Hopefully pandemic life is ending very quickly. I want to write books and I'm really, really hoping to kind of build, I'm just kind of praying and looking for, you know, the right relationships to to get this music on on movies and, and television. Because in, in my head, when I write these songs, like I, I see them in moments. I see them like, there, there's a TV show I watch. There's this one show in particular called Baller. And there is this black girl and she knows she's like one of the best basketball players in the DMV. Whether like guy or girl, like she knows she's the best. And when she has the ball and she is practicing or going to a game and like really beating all these guys, I hear better. Like I see it. I see the song playing like behind her. So what's next? I don't know. Like I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of these dreams and goals hit their mark. I'm kind of open to what happens next. Awesome. And and where can our listeners find out more about you, Royce, on social media or? Yeah, my handle is Royce Love It on uh, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on TikTok, but I don't I don't do any funny things. I am on TikTok. And DM me, write me. I love the talk. I love the chat. Definitely on my website. Um, there's a click to like my, my email list where once a month, I kind of give you an update what's going on in my life, what I've been thinking about, why I wrote the song that's coming out, different things in that in that perspective, cool interviews that I've had, just different things I'm working on. So I'm I'm pretty accessible through through the like the information is pretty accessible through like social media, the uh, website, and the mailing list. We're so excited to watch your career unfold. Really, Royce, we I mean we see really good things in your future, and I hope you do tour, and I hope you do come to San Diego and visit us. Yes, you know sometimes. We we feel like Christian music is get, get stuck in a box and you're really kind of expanding that box that there's like, it can sound cool. Like it can sound, it can have a beat to it. You can dance to it. You know, that was really the reason for this season was to help people understand that there's, there's spiritual music, there's faithful music that can sound really different. And so we're so appreciative of the work that you put into the world because Thanks. it's absolutely valued. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You can do it better. Oh, you can come better, yeah.